Hello, this is Ebody and X, and welcome to the Candid Frame. This episode of the Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME. We also have the support of lynda.com, who with over 2,000 high-quality and engaging videos, provides a wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced. Lynda.com is there to help you learn creative, software, and business skills to achieve your personal and professional goals. To take advantage of their seven-day free trial, visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame. That's L-Y-N-D-A forward slash the candid frame. When we as photographers get beyond the technical and move past obsessing about shutter speed, aperture, and pixel count, we start thinking about vision, concept, and ideas. And in my opinion, those best at doing that are people who are brave enough to take their own lives, their own experiences and passions to create exceptional work. Ryan Muirhead is one of those photographers for me, and he's not only produced intimate and powerful images, but he's also done so with a generous authenticity that's rare, but that I greatly appreciate. I began our conversation by asking Ryan his thoughts on a quote by Tracy Matlock that Ryan posted on his blog which reads, I've heard that you can recognize a photographer by how they continually compose the edges of their frame, that each quarter-second decision to exclude, to define a boundary, to say what will not be in the photograph, is as explicit as a thumbprint. Wow, that's that's such a fantastic and interesting question. And I remember when I saw that quote, it really, it really impacted me. Um, and you know, I never know completely how to answer these. I never know what's going to translate to other artists or people listening. Um, but the reason that quote struck me so much is when I'm working and when I'm creating my images, I have always felt like the images that end up really speaking to me or speaking for me, those, those frames that really end up defining my work. I have always felt that I recognized them rather than created them in that moment where, you know, you change the smallest thing or you see some, the light change and you, you know, that's going to be the shot. It's always had this sense of like deja vu to me rather than oh, we're building this, we're building this, now we've created it. It's always had this sense of, oh, that's it. Like, I almost remember, like, that's what it's supposed to be. And that quote kind of spoke to that element of it to me, that I'm not really meticulously building my frames or constructing the elements in it. It's that when I'm in that moment where it's going to be something that's mine, I just, I recognize it. And that thumbprint element to it, it, it kind of spoke to that to me. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's no, how that I've makes, always felt about it. That makes perfect sense. And it speaks to the idea of trusting that part of part of you, that part inside you that recognizes it and just knows it 
And I think that's a real elusive thing for a lot of people to to come to embrace because especially when you're learning photography, especially all the technical stuff, you, you, there's so many reasons to be doubtful uh, and to question your ability as a photographer. But like you just said so eloquently, to, in order to make those sort of definitive images for yourself, you have to come to trust that part of you that says, this is it. This is, this is the moment. This is the gesture. This is everything that I'm looking for in this fraction of a second and, and, and make the image. Did, was that something that came easy to you or was it really hard to sort of develop that innate trust of what you were feeling in your gut? You know, man, you're asking fantastic questions. Should I just keep complimenting your questions? <laughs> um, that actually speaks to something larger to me about, you know, what photography is to me. Um, I get a lot of requests for, like, assisting me on shoots or being able to tutor while I'm shooting or teaching people as I'm making the images. And I always have to respond, I don't think that's going to be what you want it to be because my process is so much before and after the shoot. To me, photography isn't photography or an art form. It's just an extension of my life. Um, and to me, photography is spending so much time before, you know, pondering the things I care about, dwelling on meaning of life questions, reviewing work of masters, being involved in other art, and then after the shoot, it's this meticulous dissection of where did this go right? Where did this go wrong? Why did I recognize this moment? Why do I love this shot? Why do I not love that shot? And I spend so much time in the photographic process in the before and after the moment that shooting is just this frantic mess. You know, I'm running around, dropping cameras, picking them up, changing my mind. And like I said a little bit earlier, in that process, I'm very, I'm recognizing these moments. But to me, all the work of what I want the images to be and the images I choose to show and share and define me is all a before and after process, not a shooting process. Let's talk about a, a specific image to sort of refine that idea. The, the image that accompanied that quote is of a woman um, who's nude, lying on a very dark hardwood floor. Um, the camera is nearly at ground level, and she, her head is sort of tilted back up towards the camera. Her eyes are closed, and her hands are, are at her waist. Tell me about what you just spoke about in terms of that idea of recognizing that moment and trusting it, specifically with that with that photograph. Wow, what what a fantastic shoot for you to bring up to talk about, not that the images are that fantastic, but just this was a very, very different shoot for me. I, when I kind of, I don't want to repeat too much stuff I've said in other interviews and stuff, but when I kind of got into photography, it was very random. I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know the direction. And one of the first photographers that agreed to let me work with them was kind of doing like fashion and beauty photography. And I knew I wanted to shoot people, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted it to be. So I just started working in this genre because I had people doing that that would let me be around. But I kind of came to discover that I didn't really care all that much about fashion or beauty photography at all, that I wanted to shoot people. The collaboration I wanted was artistic, not, you know, clothes or 
selling something or beautiful people or the interaction I wanted was someone else with something to say. And in this case, this model's name is Lauren Isabo. We just found each other online and she was a medical student who had quit going to, I believe it was Rice University, to instead go get a master's degree in poetry. And she had this interest in lyrical movement and anatomy. And it was such a different approach to like shooting, you know, nude photographs as opposed to just finding someone beautiful or structural and making these images. She very much brought this lyrical anatomical presence to this shoot. And then supposed, I've also kind of stopped liking photo shoots. You know, I don't want to schedule a shoot and get together and make images for two hours and quit. I want to create something with people. So she was in New York City and I was in Utah and we started talking and we decided to fly both of us to Oregon and meet in Oregon. And then over the course of like seven days, produce some work. And for the first day and a half we got there, we didn't even make photographs. We just talked for like a day and a half about who are you? Who am I? Why do you want to make these? You know, photography is so omnipresent and nudes are so everywhere and over-sexualized and poorly done. Like, why do we want to make these? And then in this day and a half of conversation about what we find wanted them to be, after that, we were just in this space that I don't think you can get to without that level of like communication and time where we both knew what we wanted them to be. And then as, a, then as opposed to like a photo shoot, we were just in this space together making photos. And maybe that's stupid to say, maybe that's just getting too artistic and over-dramatizing it. But when we made these images, it was from a space of knowing how we wanted them to be. And she was just kind of moving and I was very slowly moving around her. And it wasn't like, oh, this is working. We'll take a picture. This isn't working. Let's move on to the next shot. We were just kind of occupying a space, knowing we wanted to create something without something we had to do next. And this whole series of images on this hardwood floor with a tiny, tiny window light just created themselves almost. You know, I've heard musicians talk about just kind of tuning into what it was and just transcribing them. It was very much that same process as opposed to coming up with an idea and a film and a camera and executing it. It just was born out of a situation. For me, the word that, that I think exemplifies that image for me is genuine. And I know it's a word that's overused a lot, but that seems to be the most apt word to describe that because she's not only is she very present in, in the moment, but I get a sense of you as the photographer in that moment as well. Not so much that I know that there's a photographer present, but that there was this sort of dynamic that was happening between the two of you that was was shared and helped to fulfill creation of that image. I know this was a very sort of unusual circumstance, but is that sort of gestalt something that you're really always trying to pursue, even though the circumstances may not be as, as in-depth as, as this was? For, I mean, first off, I, I really have to say sincerely thank you. I mean, you know, you do what you want to do and you try to make the stuff you want it to make, but you never know what it feels like when it gets out there. And to say that 
it feels genuine in present and, and present means a lot to me. And I know it would mean a lot to her because that's actually what was happening. And to hear that that has translated, I, I mean, sincerely means a lot to me. Um, and yes, I, I am going for that. It always, it succeeds to varying degrees, you know, because you don't always have a week to fly somewhere and spend 30 hours talking and then make an image. Sometimes it is showing up and shooting, but I have definitely reprioritized what I'm going for in my photography. I don't pose people. I try not to ask people to be something they aren't. I try to honor who I am and why I need to make these images, but also to incorporate how they are. You know, my poses or the posture of the people isn't this elaborate structure. It's how my subjects hold themselves. And if people hold themselves very tightly, that's how I want to photograph them. And if people are very loose, I have a friend, another model that I've worked very much like this named Rachel Williams from Las Vegas. And she's very loose, very flowy, very just existing in the space and not tightly held. And I want to photograph her that way. And that's just kind of born out of, you know, I have this tension and anxiety that everything is fake, that everything exists to sell us something, that nothing, you know, is just pure creation, that it's not just beautiful. And it's kind of my way of fighting that, that yes, I want it to be beautiful. I want people to like it. I want people to share it. I want people to feel something from it. But if nothing else, I want it to be genuine and I want it to be present and I want it to be real so that in a day later when no one on the internet will ever look at it again, in 15 years, Rachel or Lauren can come back to these photos and say, that's who I was at that time. This is, that's how it happened. That's how I hold myself. That's, these are my expressions. This is my body. This is who I was as opposed to this guy told me to do something that he thought would be pretty and people would like on the internet. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsors. When you create a website, you want to be linked to a service that keeps up with the times. You don't want to end up with a website that in a few short years looks dated. Squarespace is constantly upgrading their service from their templates to their user interface so that your website experience is always state-of-the-art. The recent advances that they've made with their latest update, Squarespace 7, provides more for you to love and to enjoy about having a website. Its improved interface makes it even easier to update your website, blog, or commerce site. It's really quite amazing. Find out for yourself by taking advantage of their 14-day free trial. You don't need a credit card, just create an account and go for it. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Well, when you start, first started photographing people, well, you were drawn to models because you, you, you found that they were safer. Um, yes. But increasingly, you've you photograph people that you know or associates that you know or yes. are people who, basically people who aren't professional models. And I think one of the challenges 
when you're working with someone who isn't accustomed to being on the camera is allowing them to sort of find themselves in front of the camera. And that can be a really difficult thing to do, especially if you're a photographer that is sort of unsure in terms of how much direction he or she may need to to exercise in order to evoke that. So what have you found that works for you to get to that naturalness, that genuineness, genuine feeling and that genuine moment so that the photograph is what you've, that you that you get the picture that you've been striving again? That, wow. You're, I really appreciate your questions. They're stuff I actually care to discuss. First thing first though, I have to jump back five years because I get this question of like, I hear you say you valued this and now you take these photographs, but just like the question, you know, that's so difficult. And I absolutely have to point out that I shot three or four times a week, knowing the feeling I wanted my photographs to have and didn't get there for four and a half years. Wow. You know, like I think so often we like to listen to podcasts or go to workshops or read a blog or watch a TED talk and hope to be so educated and illuminated and inspired that immediately we will produce that kind of work. And I just, it's so important to me to go back and point out that there's a thousand times I tried before they actually felt like that. So, I mean, I, I want to talk a lot more about that, but I have to point out that there's just thousands and thousands of hours of trying before succeeding. But to more directly answer the question, I'm not all that well put together, you know, emotionally as a human being. I have a lot of frailty. I have a lot of doubt. I have a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of depression. I have a lot of all of that. And I think originally I was trying to put, to discuss that in my photos, to deal with that without actually dealing with it. You know what I mean? But I, the photography can deal with this, but I won't have to. And I kind of found that by me being in that vulnerable space, you know, it allows the other person to be so many times when you want to make something personal and close and intimate and vulnerable and soft and dark, you're going to need that vulnerability, but you're involved in this game of chicken of who's going to go there first. Mm. So a lot of that has kind of been me committing to thank you so much for your time. I hope we can make something beautiful. I want to work on this together. You know, it scares me. I'm scared to shoot. I'm scared. I won't do good enough. I'm scared you won't like the photos. I'm scared they won't say what I want them to say. I'm scared they'll say it to me and to no one else. I'm scared I'll ne- I won't be able to support myself doing this, that this is the last shoot I'll ever do and I'm going to have to quit and work at the 7-Eleven after this because I have no other skills. I had a hard time. I, you know, I had a niece die. I'm having a hard time dealing with that. I suffered from this my whole life. I don't know what I'm doing next. You know, all those things are true. And I cathartically, I want to put that into the image, but, and you know, I'm not saying I sit someone down and just give them a sob story or try and sad ourselves into that place. But we all have this, you know, this version of ourselves, we tell ourselves, and then we have this version of ourselves that we want to present to the other person. And when I'm creating 
I'm trying to merge those into one entity. Sorry, I know this is kind of out there. You know, it gets really, it gets really hey. metaphysical fast. But that's the space I'm trying to work from. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I get it. I, I get it very. I get exactly what you're talking about because I go through the same stuff. So, but and I think a lot of people do too, and I think they really appreciate hearing that. But for you, there, well, there are a lot of people who go through those feelings, those fears, the depressions, those anxiety, and yet it paralyzes them to the point that they're not able to go out and make the photographs because those fears and those presumed outcomes just become this this roadblock in their in their own mind. Yet you're able to move past that to actually go out there and make these thousands and thousands of photographs, most of which, as you said, in the first four years, just weren't working. What kept you out there plugging away and not giving and giving up and moving on to, to something else? What, what kept you inspired to pursue this to get to the point where you're as good as you are now? Desperation. I hated myself and my life so much that I wanted to not be me. And I found this and it was my I'll do this instead of not being me I get something out of it and when I do it when I'm shooting my mind goes blank when I'm creating something I feel more positive things than I feel in my general life when I'm with someone even under tense paralyzing awful circum you know terrifying creative circumstances I at least feel something better than I'm feeling alone. And that's worth pursuing. Hitting bottom, desperation. Mm. When did you find that you felt like it was more than just trying to escape those negative feelings and feeling like not only am I using this as a device to sort of keep my head above water, but that I'm, I've become good that I've become maybe not a great photographer, but that I can do this, that I can make something from this and that people are really responding to it. Can you point to a point in time where you really felt that, that it was more than just this means of self therapy to keep yourself sane? So about, about a year ago, um, I was in that cycle, like you said, of, this is head above water. This is a distraction. Some people respond to this. I have some following on the internet. People seem to like it. And I had this moment of, I need this to be something more. I need to not just distract myself. I need powerful personal experiences from these images. And I kind of just threw that out there to the internet, you know, into the internet, the universe, the people I knew. And then within a month, I started photographing the band uh, that I would say saved my life, the band that made me want to be an artist, the band that kept me alive when I was the lowest, called The Used. I, through a series of events, had the chance to meet and photograph and tour and shoot an album cover for them. And then I had the opportunity to take pictures of my niece Sapphire during her 10 day life. And my photos are what's left of her. And both of those things really cemented like, 
you can have life-defining experiences through this, not just making pretty stuff. Well, tell me about the experience with the band, because I know that music plays a real big part in your inspiration. What is it about the music of this band that really connects with you and in, in, in such a great source of inspiration for you? Um, I, I, that's, that's a very concrete answer for me. When I was uh, doing very, very poorly earlier on in my 20s, you know, I had started to share some of how I was feeling with some friends and a friend brought me a song of this band and said, listen to this song. Even if you don't like the song, listen to this. And he played me this song and the chorus of it, it's the song's called Noise and Kisses by The Used. It doesn't really matter. But what he was trying to tell me is he was like, this is you. This is a piece of art put out there about who you are and what you're going through. And I, and I mean, it, it did, it hit me that hard. And I was like, I had never felt so understood with what was happening to me. And, you know, it, it was kind of that light switch art moment of someone else feels this thing and has created something positive about it and is now sharing it with people. And, you know, that, that was years before I started taking photos. But as soon as I did and I got past that initial, you know, shoot everything stage and you have to ask yourself, what do I want these photos to be? I immediately just whiplashed back to, I want someone to feel from my photos what I felt from that song. And that's why when I post my photos, I share song lyrics from them, frequently from the used, but from other bands too, it's, you know, some people think it's gimmicky or just trying to cross promote it or whatever. But what it is, is I finish the photo and I attach those words to it. And it just reminds me, remember, do you remember how powerful it was when you heard that song, when you felt that stuff? It's just a lyrical visual word reminder to me of that's why you wanted to make this stuff. And I hope that's why you still want to make this stuff. And I think it really kind of taps into the idea we've been talking about, about that that feeling in your gut, because I think everyone has experienced at one point in their lives a song that just just cuts them to the quick. And that feeling, I think, is the same feeling you're talking about when you're making a photograph. But in this case, you're the one making the art. You're not just listening to a record or a, a CD. You're able to sort of tap into that feeling yourself when you pick up the camera i love the synchronicity just of life just the way you phrase that one of the songs from that album that inspired me was there's a feeling in my gut that feels me fills me with so much hope said fuck it i'm fine i mean and that's it that's it it's that it's so much hard stuff but when i'm shooting and my mind's blank and i see or I remember those images just appearing before me that I wanted to capture, that I wanted to talk about. It takes me back to those moments, and those moments feel more real to me than most of the rest of my life. Well, it must have been amazing to give back to that to that band, to those members of that band, your own artistry, considering that they had inspired you, you know, so many years ago. Tell me about that experience. It must have been uh, amazing. So my, you're, you're kind of amazing me, honestly, with the questions you're asking and how much they're tying into what's going on with me right now. But uh, 
So, I mean, a long story short, one of my best friends ended up dating the drummer who founded the band and he introduced me to the guitar player's wife and I shot for her and then I met him. And because of doing that shoot, they invited me to Los Angeles for one day to be able to shoot with the band, kind of as a thank you for doing this shoot for the guitar player's wife. And, you know, I immediately was like, all right, the one day, like, what do you do? And I kind of asked a couple people, you know, and it was like, well, you have to do it like this. You need to shoot digital. You'll need a long zoom because you're going to have to shoot from far away. You can't make too much noise. Um, magazines like them to look like this. The management company will need the images turned around immediately. And if you know anything about my work, that has nothing to do with me. I shoot 50-year-old film cameras. I shoot in grainy black and white. I shoot some Polaroids. I shoot slow. It takes me a month to get my film back. You know, I got the exact opposite response of who I was to how I needed to handle my dream shoot. And I, and I had that moment of like, shit, you know, like now what? And I kind of thought it through and I was like, you know what? No way. Like they, through them, it turned me into who I am for better, or for worse. I just have to show up and be me. And I walked into the parking lot that first day of shooting and met the lead singer. And I had my, Pentax 6.7 all metal manual film camera and I had a Leica M3 from 1957 and I had a Polaroid 195 from the 50s or 60s or something and I walked up and introduced myself and I said hi I'm Ryan and he said hi I'm Bert and then he said what's this you know basically pointing at my gear because it's unusual for someone you know they've been photographed 10,000 times and I said well this is how I shoot I like to use old gear that inspires me and shoot grainy black and white film. And I shoot Polaroids because it feels more real to me. It feels more tangible. It has imperfections that I like. And I just feel like I actually made something instead of digitally manipulating it into what people want it to be. And he said, well, we're here in California on our own dime because we feel like a lot of our music has been really overproduced and over you know, over perfected recently. And we wanted to record something raw and old and imperfect and real. So it sounds like we're going to be a great fit. The great thing about the internet is the wealth of knowledge that lies at our fingertips. The challenge, of course, is the time involved in scouring the internet to find the kind of content that fits your needs. Lynda.com takes the headache out of that, by doing it all as a one-stop resource for learning not just about photography, but also business, music production, video editing, and so much more. It's a college that sits on your desktop. You can experience this for yourself and watch over 2,000 quality videos for free for a limited time. I've worked out a deal with lynda.com to provide you with unlimited access to the entire library for free for seven days. Visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to use it for a week. That's lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to start your seven day free trial and help support the show. That's 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 great because I think it's it's a choice that I think is presented to every artist at some point, and I think that so many of us 
and, and I speak for myself right now, where I've made the choice to compromise the way I do things because of some expectation that someone else has sort of set down in front of me. And every time I've made that choice, I've always been dissatisfied, not only with the result, but with the experience. And, and, and when I've decided to say, this is just the way I do things and, 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 and face whatever consequences, the work is always so much more gratifying. And, and I think for, for most people, they're always much happier with that. Uh, than anything else that I could have done. Because you're modeling yourself after some other photographer or someone else's expectations, particularly when those expectations are for someone who isn't a photographer, is is such a big mistake. But it's so it can be so difficult to just stick to your guns like you did and just say, this is who I am and, um, you know, Take me or leave me, but this is how I need to work, and this is how I need to do this to give you what is, to my mind, my best. You know, I know if I had done it the way I had been told to do it, I would have shot that first day, and it would have been whatever it was. And from just trying to be real about it, they invited me back the second day. And by the second day, they invited me back for the rest of the week. And by the end of the week, they let me record background vocals on the album and at the end of that they asked me to shoot the album cover and at the end of that they asked me to tour with them and now some of the guys in the band are my best friends in the whole world wow that is awesome you mentioned uh, your niece who um who was born but uh, died shortly after do you mind telling yeah. us about that and why that was such an important experience for you yeah i mean obviously that's hard to talk about but but awesome just uh, my sister was pregnant. It's actually my sister's house who I'm recording these interviews right now. There's pictures of her that I took in the room while we're talking, so it's appropriate. But uh, they found out while she was pregnant that she had some tumors in her heart and her brain, and she was expected to live just to have some difficulties, um, but I knew I wanted to be around. And then when she was born, it got more and more complicated. Uh, it was a little worse than they had thought, and she had a a series of open heart surgeries. Um, and for like the first eight days, I just came up most days and made, made photographs of her photographs of her being born of the first few days, her with the family. And then a lot of the rest of the time she was hooked up to machines and post surgery. And, and then on the seventh or eighth day, I had a workshop to teach in California and I asked, I was like, should I go? Should I go? And they said, yeah, yeah, it'll be okay. Like, just go and come back. And then the night before the workshop, while I was in California, I got a text that she was dying. And they were looking for a photographer to take one last family picture of everybody together. And I wasn't there. And that was easily the worst moment of my entire life was sitting on the Venice boardwalk surrounded by noise and awfulness while she was dying and they were looking for a photographer. But you know, that's, that's life. That's the kind of stuff that happens in a story where it goes the way you want it to go. I would have been there and would have made those important images and would have been with my family when she passed, but that's not how life goes. Stuff just happens and it's shitty and awful. And then I had to teach a workshop the next morning and I just 
you know, I didn't know what to say. So I just went with it. I mostly just started the workshop by crying and letting everybody know that my niece had just passed away and that we could sit there and talk about lighting and Instagram likes and getting popular and getting published and people liking your work. But that isn't what it is to me. What it is to me was the week I had spent before that taking easily the most important images of my whole life, documenting something that I intensely cared about in a way that was beautiful to me to do it and working on that kind of stuff. Because when you're dead, no one's going to care about your Instagram feed, but 200 years from now, those photos of her will matter when none of my work that people like on my social media matters. Those pictures of her will still matter. So I kind of just spent the day talking about that kind of stuff. And after the workshop, I had a really powerful conversation with a guy who came to the workshop who let me know that he had been in Iraq and his in the military and the guy right next to him had been blown up by a bomb and he survived and had found my work in that time period of recovering and having lost someone and that the way I talked about photography and what mattered to me made him want to do something like that and led to him being there that day at the workshop. So it, it turned kind of a horrible, horrible situation into at least a chance to connect with other human beings who were, you know, cared about the same kind of stuff. I love I love hearing this because everything we've been talking about for the last half hour has really been about your willingness to be sincere and honest and genuine with yourself and your work is really is the really the means by which not only are you creating great photographs but you're you're shaping your life and i think that us as photographers we get so fixated with the equipment with the gear with the pixels with the contrast with the software and and lose sight of the fact that photography is is more than just an art form that it can be a way of of expressing and connecting with other people in a way that many of us uh, find elusive because we're just not good with words and that somehow these photographs provide us the, the outlet to be able to just do that not just in terms of the the photographs but the but the connections that they allow us to to create for ourselves and to nurture and to really ultimately make a good life for oneself. You, I mean, you completely nailed it. Photography took me from a repressed Mormon kid who was scared of everything, who didn't date, who didn't feel like the people under, around me understood me or would accept me and thinking I would never connect or feel or be passionate or be good at anything to completely defining my life, existence, friendships, family, belief system, passions, interests in terms of photography. So, I mean, it's, it's completely transformed my life. And I wouldn't say, you know, made it amazing. You know, I still never have money. I'm still full of anxiety and depression. I still don't know what I'm doing or what I want or where I'm going, but I have had experiences that are so incredibly 
personally significant to me because of art and photography that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And that makes it very, very hard for me to talk about photography in terms of resolution and gear and lenses. You know, of course I use all that stuff. It's a trade and you use your tools and that, but it's also the, a lot of the reason I shoot with old cameras, why I shoot with film. I want a reminder that I should set an aperture and a shutter speed and everything else should be me trying to express and connect with what's going on around me. Well, I discovered you uh, as a result of watching the two seasons of film. It was probably one of the best produced series on photography I've ever, I've ever seen. And it was, for me, it was an experience just to watch them. But, but I can imagine it must have been even more so for you participating in uh, with them. Can you briefly tell us what that, what that experience meant for you? I, I feel like you're inside my head because your questions are perfect segues between these things. That show, and I mean, of course, so many people put so much into it, but the absolute impetus, the creation moment of that show was me up in my room at 3 a.m., extremely, extremely depressed with who I was and what I was doing. And I forced myself into one of those moments where I said, fine, fine, nothing's right. What, what do you wish it was? What do you want? You know, what do you want? And I wrote in a journal page, which I rarely do. I wrote something like, I want to work on a show with people who inspire me, where I can say things I'm scared to say and talk about film because I love it and bring in some people that inspire me so I can personally learn from them. I just want to work on something with good people that I'm passionate about. And I want to share that with people. And I wrote it down. And then I sent that email to the production company at four in the morning. And the next morning they wrote me back and said, okay, let's do it. Jesus. <laughs> that's how film season one, that's the birth moment was me in the shower, writing on waterproof paper, crying about what I wanted to do. That's fantastic. That makes that makes what I saw even even more poignant. It's a fantastic story, and for people who have not had a chance to check it out, they certainly should because it's it's not not only worth watching once but but twice because so much of what we talked about was just represented so deftly in in that series of episodes. Uh, so I'm glad you you wrote that down and sent it out there because for me it was uh, it was very very inspiring. Yeah, that, that's one of a couple moments like that where I've reached out almost in desperation and something really, really beautiful has come from it. And I'm so grateful for those. You know, it gets hard to talk about because I say this and it almost sounds like a promise, you know, like if you care enough, this will happen. Or if you work hard enough, you'll get this. And I, to tell you the truth, I don't really understand how that stuff works. I just, that's just what it is. You know, photography's not a hobby to me and it's not a, pa a pastime and it's not a Facebook pursuit and it's not a business and it's not a, it, it was born out of desperation to connect to something. And it still is that for me, you know, there's a lot of complications that come with that, but it's, it's the time I feel most alive. It's when I feel the most valuable. It's when I feel the most real. It's when I feel the most useful, when I feel the most scared and the most, 
in love. And it, it really is that for me. And I just, you know, you just desperately hope that's going to come across in some of the images. Well, it certainly does. Well, my, my last question is that I ask each guest for them to suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Can, can I cheat and say two people? Okay. I know. I'm sorry. That's awful. But I, I can't separate the answer The the person who set me in a different direction without a doubt is Richard Avedon. When, when I found his work, it hit me like a truck just because it had those elements of things I would come to value of the minimalism of the not selling a big production, just being like this, this is a face. This is a person. This is dirty. This is beautiful. This is, it's so bare and raw and in your face and huge. And, you know, I thought I wanted to be him. You know, when you find that, you're like, that's what I want to do. I want to shoot eight by 10. I want to shoot white background. I want to shoot, you know, you find someone like that and you just want to be it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, slowly I learned to just appreciate those things and incorporate it into caring about those same things, but doing my own work. And then the other person would be Mary Ellen Mark because her documentary work blends this beauty and realism and moment captured with storytelling, with fantastic situations, with commercialism, with homelessness. She, she is just, she's the person whose work just connects with me with so closely what I want mine to be. So Mary Ellen Mark for my kind of work and Richard Avedon for just overall incredibleness. Great, great suggestions. And where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Um, I just a couple of months ago started um, my website. It's just my name, ryanmirahead.com. And I actually have an about me section where instead of just a bio explaining how cool I am, it's just a couple funny lines and then just links to things like this. And when this is done, the link to this will be up on my about me page too, because I care more about the people who are where I was just feeling scared and trapped and with no ability and no outlet. I would so much rather provide links to talking about that stuff than a list of how cool I am. So I care about talking about this stuff and there's even more up on that page. It's just ryanmirhead.com forward slash about or backslash, whichever one it is. I can't remember slash about. Well, Ryan, thank you so much, man. It was a real honor and a pleasure to have the chance to talk to you. Hey, and I mean a sincere compliment. I'm not just trying to make you feel great about how you did, but those are amazing questions and stuff that is important to me to talk about. And it's great to have a reminder and an impetus to be able to do so. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners like you. To help support the work we do at TCF, please take the time to make a donation via PayPal for $10, $20, $50, or more. Your contributions have helped to make the show what it is. I'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. 
And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.